This is episode 539 with mental performance coach Brian Livingston. It is important for each of us to understand where our gifts lie and whether those gifts are nature or nurture, it's all up for debate. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of nurturing your nature and figuring out like what is the thing that makes me feel alive? What is the thing that I really get excited about? For me, like I wasn't going to be good at working on Wall Street and finance. Um, my brothers probably could and, and have. So that was, they have different gifts than I do. And mm. so I, I'm not the guy that says we can do anything we put our mind to. I think it's important that we try to think about what are we good at? What makes us feel alive? And then really fuse those together and, and go find ourselves. Welcome to Athlete Maestro, a podcast tailored for athlete development, improvement, and peak performance. And now, here's your host. You know, when you get to go to an illustrious university, you know, so um, say you're abroad, you get to go to Harvard or Princeton, or let's use Nigeria, for example, you get to go to the University of Lagos, you know, one of the top notch universities, and you get to sit in front of a professor who is more or less like defending their thesis. So I'm just using it as an example. You know, so they've written this study on, on something, you know, and before they get to present it to the world, they get to defend that thesis in front of you. So literally, you are the only person in the entire classroom that they are defending that thesis to. So you are getting first-hand experience of everything that went into that study, their thought perspectives and all of that. That is exactly what I felt, you know, speaking with Brian on this episode. And I I can literally say that at no other time have I ever really felt like a student in all the time that I've been doing this podcast. And jokingly, I, I told him at the start of the podcast that, hey, like I am the interviewer and I'm the student at the same time. And trust me, by the time we were done with that conversation, that is exactly how I felt. I literally felt like I was the student taking in this thesis from this professor. You see, there, there are millions of ways that you can answer questions. There are millions of ways to answer questions. Uh, you can go the direct route. You, you can you can dribble around and things like that. But you see, with every single question and every single thing that we talked about with Brian, uh, it was more or less like he went the extra mile. So not only do you get the answer, you get a real-life example of that answer in action. So it kind of goes to show you that he is an expert, you know, in terms of being a mental performance coach. So he is the host of the podcast, Intentional Performance. And basically what he does is that he talks with experts on what they're intentionally doing to be their best self in life. He's a mental performance coach and also an executive coach, you know, to businesses, gets them to perform the best way that they can. But you see, for us here on Athlete Maestro, you know, it's all about the young athletes. It's all about getting you to that next level. It's all about helping you become the best athlete you can be. And you see, if you are ready to come to class, then you see, this is the episode for you. What exactly is it that we didn't talk about? We talked about this developing a mindset for performance. We talked about positive self-talk versus useful self-talk, as as Brian says. Uh, We talked about pressure. We talked about confidence. We talked about setting things that athletes struggle with the most, which, of course, you yourself, you might find yourself in that situation. We, We literally went into detail. Just like I said, it was more or less like me sitting... Uh, you know, and and watching that 
thesis defense and of course you know i get i get to ask more questions i i get to probe and i get to see more things that is what you guys are blessed with by being listeners of this podcast athlete margin of course that's one of the things that i'm dedicated to doing is to bring in you professors like brian livingston onto the podcast now of course he's not a professor in the true sense of the word but uh, man after you listen to this episode you are going to see why exactly i called him that this episode of the podcast guys is brought to you by my athlete maestro daily planner you see one of the things that i always want you to do is to ensure that you are taking advantage of your day you see don't always it's just like new year resolutions right where you know if it's if it's february you're like ah it's all done i'm going to start next year you see if you're taking advantage of your day those days lead to weeks those weeks lead to the month and of course it, it compounds and leads up to the year so i want you to ensure that every single day you're doing the right things i know you want to work hard but i want to ensure that you're working hard on the right things and the only way that you're going to do that is if you start on the right foot and that is what the athlete marshall daily planner will help you do plan your day so that it ultimately leads to you achieving your goals in sports head over to athletemaestro.com forward slash daily planner athletemaestro.com forward slash daily planner where you are going to get that resource that will help you become a master of your day when you get that come to class with myself and the professor as we go through the thesis of you as a young athlete and the goals that you're trying to achieve everyone welcome back to the athlete master podcast my guest on the show today uh is the ever impressive i know he doesn't want me to say that but he's the ever impressive brian livingston uh, is a mental performance and executive coach as well and is the host of intentional performance which is a podcast that delves into detail uh, of experts in different walks of life you know and find out how they have been intentional in their life and how that is leading uh, to their success as well thank you for joining me today brian Tola, thanks for having me. I listened to a few of your episodes, so I'm excited to chat with you today and uh, honored to be on the podcast and, and learn from you. And hopefully uh, the two of us can chat a little bit and learn from each other and then hopefully others can learn from us as well. So excited to be here. Just like I said off air, you know, I am the interviewer and the student, you know, at the same time. So definitely I'm, I'm, the, one, I'm the one that's learning. Uh, but before you change the name of the podcast to Intentional Performance, it was it was called beyond the surface what was the idea behind that change uh because i'm assuming the reason you named it beyond the surface was everybody sees what happens on the surface you know but nobody ever tries to dig deep or very few people try to dig deep to find out okay what are some of these other things that are going on what informed that change you know and is it, is it living up to everything that you wanted it to uh, such a good question so i first launched the podcast just because i, I love podcasts uh, probably like you i I like reading, but you know, sometimes you can't read and drive. You definitely can't read and drive. And you know, I've done audio books, but I, I found mm. that podcasts, uh, especially when I was traveling, were just amazing for me to learn and grow and, and develop. And so when I fell in love with them, I said, why don't I just start my own? And the idea behind it was that I, I get to work with a lot of amazing people every single day. But those conversations are confidential and mm-hmm. um, I can't always share them with my friends and my family. True. I'm just really fortunate to get to do what I do for a living. And so 
I wanted to create a podcast where I could go beyond the surface with people. Uh, it also was a play on the words, like we play on playing surfaces, soccer, football, you play on the surface. <laughs> and a lot of athletes, you, you can't always go beyond the surface with them. They, they keep it pretty high level. And so I've always found that I'm always somebody who likes to go a little deeper and sometimes can annoy people. But, um, you know, I, I changed the name because about 25 episodes in, I started to realize that these people and I had interviewed actors, athletes, uh, CEOs, all of these Mm -hmm. people that were performers in their own right. They all were intentional in some way. And so I started to shift what I was interested in. I was less interested in just going beyond the surface. I was more interested in how they were being intentional beyond the surface. And so intentional performers is the name of the podcast now. And uh, I'm always looking for people that are just being intentional intentional with how they're going through their life. And to me, it's actually more interesting than just going beyond the surface with somebody. So I made a shift and I'm pretty happy I did and sort of haven't looked back ever since I changed the name. I was going through a list of your past episodes, you know, and I can see Dr. Michael Gervais there and holidays there, you know, like all, all sorts of great people in their own right, you know, so uh, I, I think that adds up and it, and it makes a lot of sense. The reason I also started the podcast, you know, was because on, on the African continent, and that's one of the things that we're going to talk about today and go deeper into beyond the surface, uh, is that we're always fixated with talent. You know, and, and nobody ever asked the question that beyond talent, you know, how do I make it in sports or how do I become a better athlete or how do I achieve my sports goals? You know, it's, it's after the fact, you know, that we start asking those questions. So when something has gone wrong, uh, when something didn't work out and usually for a lot of those athletes, there's usually never time for them to remedy it. So probably they are trying to play professional soccer. They had gone through everything, done everything the wrongest way possible and obviously, there are what, 24, 25 chances of being professional, not really there again. You know, so it kind of aligns, you know, with what you said in terms of taking that conversation deeper, you know, and, and, trying to, and trying to find out. One of the things that you talk about as it relates to the podcast, you know, is that you feel everybody can learn from these successful people, from all successful people in terms of what they've done. You know, now, um, I know, like, it, it's an endless question, but can you show me some things that you've learned you know, from some of the guests that you've had on the podcast? Oh, first of all, I'm just thinking in my head how amazing it is that we're having this conversation and that you're, you've got a cool little podcast set up with your microphone in, uh, in Africa and I'm in Washington, D.C. And you mentioned some of those people that I've had on my podcast. And I think it's, it's just been an opportunity to like create my own mentors and learn from people whose books I've written and get to ask them deeper questions and, and just learn and grow from them. And so just first, I think it's what we're doing right now is what I love to do. And uh, how cool is it? The world that we live in today, there's a lot of messed up stuff, stuff with the world that we live in today. Uh, There's no doubt about that, but this is, this is amazing. I mean, it's just, it's just incredible. So I just want to pause there. And then I could transition to, I think a lot of the people I've interviewed, they create space for themselves and a lot of them find time and ways to do the things that they care about doing the way that they want to do them. And so they're very intentional with what they do in the morning or uh-huh. how they show up for their family or how they lead or how they set their mind before they go to perform. And so look, the tools are the tools of sports psychology, whether it's breathing or self-talk or goal setting, you can tool yourself all day. I think a lot of the people that I've interviewed and a lot of the people that I work with are creating systems and processes and, and, and mapping language on top of that 
to think deeply about how they want to show up and, and grab hold of their life in a certain way. That doesn't mean that sometimes they don't over index on their job or their, their obsession or writing or, or whatever it might be. We can all over index. And when we Mm. over index, all of a sudden a strength becomes a weakness, but I've been blown away by the, the similarities that exist in the intention um, the frameworks, the philosophy. A lot of these people have a way or a mantra or a way of navigating the world that, that guides them. So uh, those are some things that I notice uh, when I'm talking to the people on my podcast. Uh, that's, uh, that's good because, you know, I feel like there, there are a lot of people that listen to us now and they'll be thinking that, you know, a lot of these people have something special about them. You know, and that's one of the things that, you know, later on we're still going to talk about. And, you know, they have like this magic wand or magic things that they do that I as an ordinary person can do. You know, I think it just demystifies it to the point that, you know, these guys are regular human beings, you know, just like me and you. It's just that they found a way to do things the right way. You know, so and of course you talk about uh, systems and processes, you know, and things that are as it relates to those systems and processes you mentioned. Now you've been working with athletes for a very long time. You know, and, you know, I watched, I watched some of your YouTube videos, uh, you know, when you were at the wrestling facility, I think it was AU Wrestling, where you were talking to them and things like that. One of the biggest things that I see athletes struggle with, and I'm sure, you know, the athletes that are listening to this podcast as well, is when we talk about an athlete creating a system, they're, they're always puzzled, like, what are you talking about? In the athletes that you've worked with and the discussions you've had with their coaches, how would you say an athlete can create systems, you know, that assist their habits? which in turn assists everything that they're trying to do in sports. I want to go back. I got to answer your stuff with two answers. I think every time. <laughs> because you made me think of somebody who I had on my podcast named Tola Olobumi. So mm. Tola, share, she shares your name. Um, I'm not sure where her family originated from. I can't remember off the top of my head. But um, she's a, a dreamer in the U.S., which means that she's actually not considered a citizen by the US and she's over here and she's fighting and advocating for rights. And when mm. you said something that it, you said, you know, there's nothing really special to these people. They're ordinary. I thought her, um, I, I actually think that there is something special. I think we nice. all have something special mm-hmm. and we all have a gift. And so I, I think I agree with you in that there's nothing extraordinary about those people, but I think about yeah. <laughs> like Tola's, her ability to, write um, and use a pen to then articulate words is, is it's remarkable. <laughs> um, and so I just think we all have a gift and it's up to us. And by the way, her name's Tolu, not Tola. Oh, okay. And you probably, Tolu. Mm, yeah. um, and Tolu, like her gift is her ability to put pen to paper and then articulate what she has to say and her voice is unbelievable. And so Tola, I think it is important for each of us to understand where our gifts lie and whether those gifts are nature or nurture, it's all up for debate. Mm -hmm. I love the idea of nurturing your nature and figuring out like, what is the thing that makes me feel alive? What is the thing that I really get excited about? For me, like I wasn't going to be good at working on Wall Street and finance. Um, My brothers probably could and, and have. So 
that was, they have different gifts than I do. And mm. so I, I'm not the guy that says we can do anything we put our mind to. I think it's important that we try to think about what are we good at? What makes us feel alive? And then really fuse those together and, and go find ourselves. So that I just wanted to emphasize that because I think it can get lost. And I thought of Tolu as somebody mm-hmm. who is like, I can't speak like she can. I, I, <laughs> I can't even write like she can. And I have a book that's coming out. Mm-hmm. She has a gift with words that it would be a shame if she'd gone into engineering. And I forget exactly what she was going to study. It might've been engineering. And, mm-hmm. But we all need to step into our, whatever our gifts are and be aware of them. So I wanted to say that. And then what was your question again? Because I, I think I... I, I didn't actually answer it. Yeah, before, before I get back to the question, the reason, the reason I mentioned that is that, you know, we, we have, especially for young athletes, we have a way of idolizing, you know, this elite athletes, you know, so I'm watching LeBron James on TV, you know, I feel like he's, he's here, I'm, I'm right down here. You know, I, I see uh, Messi or Ronaldo or any of those guys. So the reason I mentioned that was for a lot of young athletes, when you're telling them or you're trying to teach them mental skills, you know, and some of the things that they should do to be the best athlete they can be, they kind of see this huge barrier between themselves and people, you know, like LeBron James. And unfortunately, Kobe Bryant lost his life. I saw one of the episodes that you did about him on your podcast, you know, and they, you know, talk about his work ethic, you know, and the kind of mentality that he had. When you're trying to teach young athletes, you know, about mentality, they're like, you know, can you teach me something different? Because if Kobe is doing that thing, it probably means like it's too difficult to do. That's that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I, I think we can think like a pro without being a pro. There's nothing that stops us from thinking like a pro. And LeBron's a little harder because I don't know about you, but I'm not six foot eight, 240, <laughs> jump out the gym. But he is amazing because he, he's adjusted his mindset over the years. He's worked on it. He's adjusted his body. I mean, when he came in the NBA, he didn't even lift weights. And I think he didn't lift weights for like the first four or five years in the NBA. And then now you see what he does nutrition-wise and uh-huh. fitness-wise. And there's a reason why he's 34, 35 years old and he's still the best player in the world. And so I think the, the mindset is not, for me, I think it gets misunderstood. It's if somebody had sprinkled and taught me mental skills when I was 16 years old. I wasn't going to become LeBron James. It wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Now, maybe if I grew up somewhere else, I would have had a shot to become Leo Messi because like him, I'm five foot six. Uh, people, I, I actually sometimes get, people think I look like him. You look so, like him a bit, yeah? <laughs> yeah, so like he's my doppelganger. Um, so maybe Messi, but definitely not Ronaldo. Like mm-hmm. definitely not Ronaldo. Um, my point is, I think what, what mental skills do is it allows you to fulfill your potential. And mm-hmm. so we all have these gaps that we live in. And for me, mindset and mental skills is just what allows you to close the gaps and, and mm-hmm. maximize. Um, and so I think there's a misconception when someone says it's all mental. I, I never really like that phrase because it's not all mental there's physical there's technical there's all and i know you played soccer at a high level like i played soccer i was pretty good at soccer if i had stayed with soccer instead of playing basketball because i was a dumb naive eighth grader i probably would have been a decent soccer player but Mm. i had a limit because of my athleticism and it's just reality um now, could I have gotten better, worked on it? I could have maxed out at a certain level. So mm. for me, the mental skills is just what unlocks your potential. But I want to be clear that it's not 
when you hear pro professionals say it's this percent mental, it's because they've already developed all the physical and technical skills uh, and they're just looking to unlock these little percentage points. So when I work with pro athletes or any athlete, we're just working on little percentage points. Um, if we get somebody one or 2% better, like that's massive um, in, in sport. So I like to study LeBron's mind because I think it's the one thing that I can actually maybe replicate in some capacity. I know I can't replicate his body. Um, so yeah, those are some of my thoughts on it. What are some of the mental things? I'm, I'm going to come back to the systems question I asked you, you know, but I, I, like, I like the flow that we're going with. What are some of, those mental, some of those mental things that, you know, LeBron does and he has mastered, you know, that, that, that get him over the edge? Because I'm imagining if you've been to a six, seven NBA finals, uh, they're about, no, nine NBA finals. I, I, I think I got that more, about nine NBA finals. You know, you've won three, you know, and you've lost six. I mean, certainly that has to play on your mind, you know, after each season. What are some of those mental things that he does that he has now mastered? Yeah, I think it actually goes back to systems and processes that you were talking, you were sort of asking about earlier. Mm. Look, I'm going to actually use Ronaldo as an example because I'm assuming your, your audience might resonate with him. I know there's the Ronaldo Messi debate, yeah. but <laughs> like Ronaldo is thought of as this arrogant dude, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and so I have a framework that I have noticed with elite performers where their mindset for preparation is actually different than their mindset for performance. Mm. And you listen to Ronaldo and he makes these comments about God and, you know, he was born to play all, all this stuff. But LeBron does too. And so does Beyonce and so does mm. Serena Williams. And so mm. does every great performer, even Roger Federer who's super humble. When yeah. he steps on the court, he believes he's the best tennis player in the world. And so for me, what I've noticed is that there's a shift that occurs in preparation and performance. So in preparation, people are humble. They're focused Mm -hmm. on work. They're thinking about the future. They're perfectionistic. They're analyzing. They're experimenting. They're comfortable with being uncomfortable. They even have some fear or anxiety. And they're really self-focused, a little bit selfish. Mm -hmm. Whereas when they're performing, they are arrogant. They're focused on playing, not working. They're in the present, not thinking about the future. They're adaptable, not perfectionistic. They're focused on their instincts, not analyzing. They're trusting the process rather than experimenting. They're getting comfortable. They're stretching. They're getting themselves as comfortable as they possibly can get. They're not uncomfortable. They're fearless in performance. They're not worried about being afraid. And lastly, they're selfless. They're often thinking about performance and how they can make their teammates better. And I actually listened to one of your podcasts where you were talking about selfishness. And I think it's a really interesting conversation for an athlete because it requires LeBron to be selfish to say, I'm going to eat a certain way. I'm not going to go to the club. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to get my sleep. Um, He has to put his own mask on first before he can help anybody else put their mask on. But I do think the greats, um, and even if you're someone that's playing attack like Ronaldo or Messi and their jobs to score goals, there still has to be an element of I need to make the right play at the right time and be selfless. So I'm actually writing a book and it comes out in October and it's all about how the greatest performers in the world shift their mind in preparation uh, wow. from preparation to performance. And they add this element in practice. So practice for them is all about combining their preparation mindset and their performance mindset. So mm. the acknowledgement that there are times where I need to be humble in practice. Then there are other times where I need to practice my performance mind of arrogant. Like mm. I am, I'm the shit. I'm the best player in the world, <laughs> whatever you need to step into. Um, and I see far too many athletes bring their preparation mind into performance. They become perfectionistic. They're analyzing 
They are uncomfortable. They're fearful. Mm -hmm. And that really is what I find gets in the way more often than not. Oh, that's a good one. Good analysis in terms of, you know, that preparation, because I feel like if you, if you don't understand how both of those things work, you know, then you're obviously going to mix it up. You know, I know one thing about sports is that, you know, very rarely would you get the chance to have a do-over, you know, so the 100 meters final, you know, at maybe the Olympics, World Championships, if it's done, you're waiting two years, four years, you know, for, for the next one. It's not like you can say, hey, let's go back, let's go back and do it. So that, Good analogy. That's, that makes a lot of sense. Now, you've worked with... Tola, every, everybody always likes to say Usain Bolt, right? Like, the best sprinter in the world mm. forever. Like, it <laughs> seems like he's unstoppable. The dude trains his ass off. Like, you go... Like, go look at what he does in preparation. Like, mm -hmm. he humbles himself. He works his ass off. But... When he toes the line, yeah, he can flex his muscles. He smiles. He has mm. joy. Like there was just a video that surfaced with him, like playing with fist the kids. That, guys, yeah, yeah, fist bumping. <laughs> he's playing because he knows he's done the work. He's mm. done it. Now just go play. Like, like sports is meant to be played. Michael Jordan used to say, I play basketball. He didn't say I work basketball. But you go study MJ. He worked his ass off. The breakfast club. He'd wake up at 5 a.m. and go to work um, and work on his craft and was relentless in that mm. way. So to me, I don't think this gets talked about enough. The, the polarity or mm -hmm. the, the shift and the dynamic that occurs from preparation to performance. And you study the elite performers, whether they're Painters, uh, salespeople, mm. um, there's this dynamic that you, you, you start to observe and notice. Uh, and then you notice when people kind of get in their own way, it, it typically is because they're bringing this preparation mind into their performance. Oh, wow. That's, that's a good one. Just like I said, you know, in terms of, you know, separating those two, because once it gets mixed up, then of course, you know, everything gets modeled up. What I was going to talk about, you know, you mentioned both. We've talked about LeBron James. You know, all of these guys, and you have worked with professional athletes as well. You continue to work with professional athletes. What's one of the biggest struggles that you've seen or what's one of the biggest struggles that they've come to you with that you kind of see as a recurring theme, you know, with many different athletes from a performance perspective? I would say two things come to mind. One is they bring perfectionism into the performance. Mm -hmm. So almost every pro athlete that I've ever worked with will say, I'm a perfectionist. <laughs> uh, and I'll say, oh, well, that's part of the reason you're a pro athlete. Like you've perfected your craft. You've worked on it. The issue is sometimes what gets you here won't always get you there. Mm -hmm. And so for a lot of them, they have to realize that that perfectionism is helpful in preparation, but is deadly in performance. So a lot of times we're working on making them more agile and adaptable and sort of ready to adjust to any adversity that they may face during a performance. And then all of them always say, Brian, if I'm confident, I'll be good. And uh, confidence is like this big thing and you know when you have it and you feel it. And if you've ever played sports, you know when you're confident. I think that confidence is something that we can have all the time. So we can be mm -hmm. confident when we're humble and we be confident when we're arrogant. And it true. takes true confidence to actually be humble um, and say, hey, I need help and I want to get better. And then it takes true confidence to step into this idea that, yeah, I'm, I'm actually really damn good and I'm the right person for this job right now. And so where does confidence come from? I think it comes from your self-talk, your dialogue that you have with yourself. Of course, if you get results and you see it happen, it can build the confidence. Mm. But I've worked with plenty of, of athletes 
to have gotten results and, and still struggle with that confidence piece. Um, and I think there's an authenticity that you need to have to have confidence. You can fake it. Like you can read Amy Cuddy's work on presence and body language. <laughs> like, sure, you want to fake it. That's, that's all well and good. But when the rubber hits the road, and when you are in the trenches, there ain't a whole lot of fake in it. And uh, so you need to really believe in understanding who you are, what your identity is, and be authentic and genuine. Um, so we, we talk about confidence quite a bit, but usually I, I map confidence onto this framework that I've been mentioning a lot as far as preparation and performance go. Mm. Why, why do you think a lot of these athletes you know, struggle with pressure? Because I'm, I'm guessing that on the flip side of confidence is pressure. You know, so if you're going out there, you're not confident you know, in what you're going to do, how you're going to execute, then obviously it means that there's some form of pressure. So whether that's stress, anxiety, uh, which are the underlying things or those things, it's usually one of those things. Why do you think athletes get pressurized now obviously we can say generally it's because you know there's some sort of external thing that is coming in but if it's as simple as you know just blocking it out there are many athletes who do it but why do why in your you know experience the athletes you've worked with why do you think that is athletes struggle with pressure a couple of thoughts one i don't know about you but i'm pretty amazed at how many don't like how many still are able to perform under pressure like when mm. i watch a sporting event and see people perform in these mad like the olympics it's, it's incredible watching people perform. So let's start there and just acknowledging it's pretty amazing. Like I, when I play sports, I struggle with like a little putt in golf or, a, you know, I miss a shot in basketball that could have won the game or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, so I, look, I think it's, it's just human that uh, what goes on with our body from a somatic or a physical standpoint, we feel it. And then also cognitively, we, we hear it in our own mind. So uh-huh. let's start there. Second of all, I like to make a distinction around stress and pressure. Uh-huh. So to me, stress is what really causes us tension and stress can give us, you know, a stroke or a heart attack. Yeah, like I yeah. think stress is, is really not healthy. Um, whereas pressure, if we want to do anything big in this world, we're going to feel some pressure. So I have a book coming out. I'm going to feel pressure with that coming out. I felt pressure to finish it. Mm. Even for this podcast, like it's different once we hit the record button and you know, like our energy changes as soon as you hit the record button, you're on. And so this is a performance. And when I speak and have speaking gigs, there's pressure. And for me, pressure involves judgment. Someone is going to be judging you. And Uh sports is the ultimate judgment. There are fans in the audience. There are people watching on TV. You have your family, your friends, your coaches, your teammates. Uh And so judgment is, is, is the opposite of love. Like judgment is, it's tough, man. It's, Uh, like we don't want to be judged. Um, So I think going back to systems and processes, those athletes that can learn how to be aware of pressure, learn how to acknowledge it and accept it. I think historically there was this idea that, you know, we can push it away and, and, and sort of lock yourself in. When I work with clients, I try to not take that approach. I believe more in a mindful approach. Let's Uh acknowledge it. Let's accept it. Let's smile at it. I call it petting the snake. Like if we're afraid of a snake, let's pet the snake. And then you realize that the snake's really not that interested in biting you. Uh, Maybe it will. And if it bites you, you'll probably be okay. Um, And so I I think the idea of pressure being a privilege or pressure makes diamonds. um, I think any elite performer at some point wants to have pressure because it means that there's something that you care about and you care deeply about. So we talk about shifting from anxiety to excitement and interpreting the way you feel uh, a certain way. Um, but I know for me, like I feel alive when I feel pressure right now, I feel alive. You can hear it in me. So 
like I kind of look at those opportunities as, as a great opportunity. And then as an athlete, we, we talk to athletes all the time about how they can interpret what they're feeling mm-hmm. um, and be, make it useful. So how we talk to ourselves. let's make sure we're talking to ourselves in a useful way. When you start to get that heart rate, you know, pick up or your palms get sweaty, be like, all right, I'm in it. I know how to handle this. I can do tough things. So that's how I think about it. And that's often how we talk about it when we're working with clients. Uh, good. I'm, I'm going to come back to this um, useful self-talk that you talked about uh, versus positive self-talk because, you know, I, I saw a, a place where you mentioned that you, you like to use a useful uh, self-talk angle, but I'm going to come back to that. What I wanted to ask you was, you know, this pressure related, do you feel that there are some athletes who would just not be able to handle pressure? And one athlete that comes to mind is Asafa Powell. You know, so Asafa Powell, 100 meter champion, previous world record holder, but at every major event, and the one that comes to my mind is the 2007 World Championships. So prior to that, for three years, Asafa Powell had barely been beaten in the 100 meters. You know, this is a guy that over the course of his career, he has run sub 10 seconds 97 times, you know, and, and counting because I, I feel he's still running, he's still running somewhere. But every time he got to the major event, he, he just capitulated for whatever reason. Now that 2007 World Championships, he goes in there being the favorite to win, Obviously, he doesn't win. Tyson Gay wins that one. He comes three months after the World Championships. He breaks the world record. And everybody is like, why didn't you do that? Why didn't you do that like three months ago like, so that you could be world champion? Do you feel there are some athletes who would just not be able to handle pressure? Because I feel like there are athletes listening to us now, and many of them are just resigned to saying, on the biggest stage, I'm not going to be able to do it. I was talking to a client before we, we, we connected here. I'm an optimist. Mm. Like I, uh, and I'm not a naive optimist. I'm not someone who's just going to ignore facts, but I'm in the development business. So I believe that we can all improve. We can all get better. Uh, so I, 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 I don't think I'd ever say, yeah, this person is just not wired to handle pressure. I mm. think uh, we all have stories that we create in our head and, there are all kinds of examples of athletes, including LeBron James and Michael Jordan, who um, got to a point and they thought they couldn't break through and then they break through. Or I remember in tennis, it was um, uh, Djokovic who thought yeah. like I couldn't beat Federer and Nadal yeah. and then he, yeah. he broke through. <laughs> Phil Mickelson in golf, like for years, couldn't win the big one and then broke through. And so I, I'll never say that you can't do it. Um, you know, I'm based in Washington, D.C. in the last two years. Uh, or yeah, we've had championship teams in the Washington Nationals, the baseball team, mm-hmm. and the Washington Capitals before that, the hockey team. And both of those organizations had not won a championship and they'd been very talented and had won their divisions. And everyone said, you know, they, the Caps have this guy, Alex Ovechkin, who mm, is yeah. one of the best hockey players. He can't win it. And all these reasons why he can't right. win it. And then they, they just do. And both of them went on these magical, ridiculous rides to, to break through. Or you think of the Boston Red Sox for years, couldn't break mm-hmm. through. And then they break through. So I, I'm a believer that that's the beauty of sports is it's, it's not realistic until it happens. And mm-hmm. then things happen. Um, I will tell a quick story that I love to tell, which is about um, Tom Watson and Greg Norman. So both of these guys are, are – great all-time golfers and Tom Watson grew up with a caddy and the caddy uh, was Tom Watson's best friend and he they did everything together and if you don't follow golf um, 
the caddy is the closest thing to yeah. <laughs> a, a coach yeah. that you can have. They carry the bag, but they're the only one allowed to talk to the golfer mm-hmm. uh, when they're in between the ropes and competing. And so you really have to have a good relationship with your caddy. They, they're, they're, they're psychologists, they're coach, they're strategists. They, they play a lot of different roles. And so Watson's caddy is a guy named Bruce Edwards uh-huh. and they were best friends and Watson started to get older and his game started to decline a little bit. And so all of a sudden Bruce gets a phone call from this guy named Greg Norman. And at the time, Greg Norman is coming onto the scene. He's this young, he had a bunch of success overseas and now he's coming to the PGA tour and he's starting to play really well and win events. And uh, so he says, Bruce, I need you to be my caddy. Bruce says, no, I'm good with Tom. Like we're best friends. We, we, we're good. I, I'm okay. And Tom <laughs> hears about it and goes, he goes, Bruce, you have to go with Norman. This is a great opportunity. Once in a lifetime, Norman's going to be the best golfer in the world. Go. So he goes and he works with Norman for a couple of years. Now, after a couple of years, he goes back and finishes his career with Tom and uh, Bruce ends up dying of ALS. And, mm-hmm. um, but before he passed away, there was an article written about, um, his experience working with Tom Watson and Greg Norman. And the reason why it's so important is that Watson was five foot eight, uh, didn't hit it particularly far, mm-hmm. looked like a normal guy, but won a ton of majors. And so high pressure stakes, like the majors, there's four of them a year and he performed really well. So Watson is seen as this guy that maxed out his potential and was clutch and handled pressure and all this stuff. And Norman, on the other hand, did not do well in majors and choked and struggled under pressure and still had a great golf career, but is seen as somebody who did not perform well under pressure. So I asked Bruce, what's the difference between the two guys? And this is what Bruce said. He said, Greg, who who struggled under pressure, would hit a perfect drive right down the middle of the fairway, 300 yards. And they'd go up to the ball and the ball had landed in a divot. And a divot in golf, if you don't play, is when the grass comes up and now you've got a dirt patch. Mm-hmm. It's much harder to hit a ball out of dirt than it is out of grass. Yeah. And so it's unlucky. It's an unlucky thing to happen. And Greg would turn to Bruce's caddy and be like, can you believe my luck? Why does this happen to me? <laughs> right? yeah. And so that's what his approach would be. And then Bruce said, I would work with Tom and Tom would have the same thing. Great drive right down the middle of the fairway. We'd walk up to the ball and it, it landed in a divot and tom would turn to bruce's caddy and say hey bruce watch what i'm gonna do mm. same exact thing happens to both of these golfers one would say why me and the other would say watch this and so to me that is a perspective that is where self-talk comes in that is where the story and the dialogue that we have with ourselves impacts our mindset which then has an impact on how we perform so Going, that was a very long way to answer. I, I, I think that stuff can be learned. Um, I think it's hard to do, but I do believe that there's a difference in how we approach pressure and that can impact how we perform. Mm. Now, you, may, you mentioned two of those guys who, of course, um, had contrasting, contrasting fortunes, you know, so to speak, in golf. You know, Tom Watson, you know, he played in the senior tour as well. You know, I remember watching him, you know, on the senior tour, you know, and of course, Greg on the other hand. Now, you're going to see these athletes who they feel or they believe that if I don't achieve the highest level of success in that sport, then it makes no sense for me to be giving my all. It makes no sense for me to be trying. You know, it makes no sense for me to give 100%. You know, and I'm like, not everybody's going to be LeBron James. Not everybody's going to be Tom Watson. Not everybody's going to be Leo Messi. Not everybody's going to be Cristiano Ronaldo. 
What do you say to athletes like that who feel or believe that there's only one success in sports and that success is attaining that highest level? Such a good point. I think fear of success is real, just like fear of failure is real. And when I say fear of success, it's fear of putting in all the work, getting to a certain level and then not being able to maintain it or mm. putting in all the work and then realizing you're just not good enough. And the reality is, especially in sports, like there are levels and your talent is your talent. And um, so for me, at least what I see a lot is I see talented pro athletes that they're good. They're making millions of dollars. They're a starter on their team, but are they obsessed? Are they willing to do whatever it takes to get to another level? No. And to be honest with you, Tola, cool. Like that's, that's their prerogative. It's not my life. And like you mentioned Kobe, it's freaking hard. It's, it's a lot of work and you know, there's maximizing potential and then there's wisdom. Mm. And it's not for me to say that you have to maximize your potential to be wise. Mm. And I think there are plenty of wise people that don't max out their potential. And so to me, when I start with somebody, I always want to know what success looks like for them. Because yeah. I want to make sure we're speaking the same language. Mm -hmm. And I like driven ambition, driven, driven, ambitious, open-minded, curious people. And if they say, I want to be the best dad in the world, and I know to be the best dad in the world, you know, I, I might not be the best soccer player in the world. Okay. But I can't argue against that. So mm -hmm. we often glorify the greats of the greats, but you look at a lot of elite performers and they have bad marriages or they cheat on their spouse. Mm. I mean, with the people we're all mentioning, LeBron's the exception, but a lot yeah. of people we've mentioned have cheated on their spouse mm. and nothing, you know, no judgment on my end. Like I don't know their situation and their marriage, <laughs> but you know, like Andre Agassi's book is a great example of somebody who was maxing out potential, but was unhappy and went down a dark path. Yeah. Um, and so I think we have to be careful in saying that there's only one way to do it. And that's what, success looks like, or that's what happiness looks like. I think what's most important is to really have deep conversations with the people that you're working with to find out what they want um, and not necessarily what society says they should want. And we're seeing this now with football players retiring early, um, even basketball players who are saying, mm -hmm. I don't want to go to Orlando because of the COVID threat, or there's female basketball players that have walked away at the highest level. Mm. Um, certainly Colin Kaepernick comes to mind. Yeah. So like what success is, I, I don't like that society has to define it. I think it's up for each of us to do the deep work to find out what that is for us. And I'm no different. Like for me, I want to be home. I, I don't have a big desire to travel and be away. I've got two small kids at home. Like I want to be home for dinner and sports makes that hard to do. So um, it's one of the reasons I spend a lot of time in the corporate world doing a lot of executive coaching. Um, I, I realized pretty early that I didn't want to be so embedded in sports that I would miss out on some other things away from it. So, uh, yeah, I think each person needs to define success for themselves. Oh, perfect. I, I love that you mentioned that, you know, so just in case the people that have been listening to me talk about it, because exactly what you said, you know, I'm like, you know, stop looking at all these guys. You're the one playing. They're not playing for you or you're not playing for them. Yeah. You're playing for you. You've got involved in sports for you in the first place. So why is it that all of a sudden you've not gotten to this level and you're not looking at what they're doing, the success they have attained. So just in case, they, they, they said, hey, Tolai, I've been talking rubbish over 500 episodes. You know, hearing it from you, probably, probably they will listen now and be like, oh, yeah, you have to define, you have to define success for yourself. That, that, that was perfect. 
do you find yourself in the habit of, of pulling these athletes out of the doldrums? You know, so the athletes, you know, we have those athletes who just, they just want to self-destruct. Nobody, nobody's causing their problem. They just want to self-destruct. You know, so they come to you, you know, and they're like, I feel I'm not good enough. I feel I can't do this. You know, I feel I'm not made for this. I feel like I just quit. You find yourself, you know, trying to pull them out of the doldrums or you're not, you're not in that kind of business at all. <laughs> I don't do, I don't do too much troubleshooting. Mm. Um, like if somebody's, depressed. I'm not, it's not even my education. Um, most of the people that I work with are successful and are trying to reach another level. Um, and so if somebody is really struggling under pressure or, you know, in golf, there's something called the yips or in mm. baseball, they call it the yips. Like that's not my bag. It's not my cup of tea. It's not like what I enjoy doing. And, and at times it's not even what I, if I assess, I, I, I'm often not even qualified or competent to help them with it. So what I love to do is work with really healthy people that want to get better. So for example, Kevin Love talking about his panic attacks or, yeah. or DeMar Rosen talking about depression. Like those are really big things and it's just not what I was educated on. Um, mm. And it's not what I'm passionate about. And so um, I, I really work with people that are already good and they say i want to get better and so it's very rare that there's a specific problem that we're trying to fix instead like i love positive psychology which looks at what do you look like when you're at your best mm. and that's a question that i ask almost all my clients so that we can try to be more consistent at that and i find sports is really good at troubleshooting mm -hmm. hey you need to work on your left foot hey you need to get it more fit um, you know, coaches are, are great at pointing out what you need to do to get better. So for me in my work, yes, we'll talk about that. But a lot of times it's how do we get you to be more consistent, create processes that allow you to bring out your best self more often. Uh, perfect. Because the reason I ask that is that, you know, you're going to see these athletes who, you know, they feel like you are, uh, what's the word now? You're, you're a magician, you know, so to speak, you know, so if there's, a, if, if there's a reason why I'm not performing the way I should perform then you are the person that could fix it as opposed to looking inward or you helping them look inward to find out, you know, what, what might be loose, what, what might be missing, you know, and, and stuff like that. So that's a good answer. Now let me go back to the, to the positive self-talk. I feel like, you know, we, we, we enjoy that. So you, you talk about positive self-talk versus useful self-talk. Can you talk to me about that a little bit? Yeah. And I love what you said. I believe in inside out. Like I think outside in it, it's a bandaid. And mm. so, Someone might give you a tool. Uh, it might work once or twice, but at the end of the day, you got to do the inside work. And that is why great questions lead to great answers. And um, I, the, the heart of my business is asking great questions. Um, you can still teach people mental skills. That's mm -hmm. fine. Like go read a book, go watch a YouTube <laughs> clip, go watch LeBron do deep breathing on the sideline. Cool. Like go get a calm app. For me, what I, what I really get excited about is the exploration with the person and, and helping them figure out what they want to look like and how they want to show up. Um, and then for me, a, a tool that I do talk a lot about is mm -hmm. useful self-talk. And I think it's at the core of everyone's mindset from the inside out, which is how am I talking to myself? And in the sports psychology field, they actually call it positive self-talk. Mm. And I always struggled with that because sports has a lot of negativity there's losing mm -hmm. you don't win all the time i don't care how good you are yeah and so to act like you're going to be positive all the time is unrealistic and i don't even think it's healthy to try to be positive all the time i look at what's going on in our society today and there's a lot of unrest and mm -hmm. 
uh, people asking questions and getting uncomfortable. And I think it's really, really healthy. And I don't think you need to be positive right now. I think you need to feel anger. I think you need to feel anxiety. I think you need to feel fear. We have these emotions for a reason. And so for me, I think the question is, what's useful for you? And to create a process that allows you to step into talking to yourself in a useful manner. So if I lose in the finals and I'm in the locker room afterwards and I'm just positive. Yeah, good job. You did well. <laughs> you're missing that experience, man. You're missing life. Like, I'll give you an example. My daughter, she's having a hard time giving me a kiss at night before she goes to bed. Mm. If I didn't have any sadness with that, I wouldn't feel what it's like to be a dad. Mm. And it's important that I feel sad. And she's, it's important that she knows that I'm sad. And it's important that we experience sadness. If someone passes away close to us, we don't need to be positive in that moment. You need to grieve. And if you don't step into some of those emotions, those emotions are going to show up somewhere else at some other time. And that's when you're going to lose control. And look, that to me, if you frame it that way, and then you have a conversation of when you are performing, what is useful for you to say to yourself? Uh -huh. And if I have a client who says, it's useful for me to look in my opponent's eye and tell them, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And if that is useful for them, then let's have a conversation about why that is. And for me, it's not for me to say that that's bad or good. Bad language. Um, <laughs> it's for them to figure out what's helpful for them and not. And I, I just, I think like negative self-talk can be really helpful in preparation. That wasn't mm. good enough. You're not good enough right now. Uh, that guy's better than me. Like mm. those things, those things can really help, help us prepare. Um, think about exercise. Like for me, having some negative self-talk can help me exercise better. Um, and like the, like going into that space. So I, I'm just not the positive be positive all the time guy. I don't think it's realistic. I don't think it's even helpful, but I do think thinking intentionally and in about what's useful for us and how we talk to ourselves. I think that's a game changer for people. It is for me. Certainly like I play a decent amount of golf, like golf humbles you. There's literally bunkers and water mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. grab. They, they, they make it so that there's hazards on the freaking course. I can get negative and there are times when that helps me. Most of the time it doesn't. Um, but what helps me get out of the negativity is, all right, Brian, what's useful right now? All right, mm -hmm. let's take a breath. Or, um, hey, focus on that next shot. It, that's not positive. It, it's useful. And so I just think it's a different – I'm pretty big on vocabulary, and uh, I do a lot of work on it. So I just think those distinctions are really important. Uh, I, like, I like that answer. You mentioned, you mentioned your daughter. My, my, my daughter is somewhere fighting the door, you know, trying to, trying to, <laughs> trying to get in here. And I'm like, oh, man. Like, Tola, know, if just, you have any advice for how to handle a daughter, like I love her to death. She is my girl. And uh, she is a fierce girl that I hope grows up to be a fierce woman. And I don't want to stifle yeah. her, her strength and her toughness. Mm -hmm. I think the world is ready for more fierce women. And we're all wanting to empower those women. But at three and a half – you know, having a fierce kid is, uh, it's tiring. <laughs> Get oh, yeah, it is. My, my, my daughter is two and a half, you know, so you, you have that, you have a little bit of a head start on me, but she as well, like she's, she's very fierce. I was, I was exercising just before this because I realized that, Hey, I didn't exercise in a few days. You know, so I was exercising, you know, and she comes in, you know, and she's exercising right beside me, like, like pulling the waist. I'm like, it's going to fall on your leg. Like she just, you know, after she does like five minutes, she's like, Oh daddy, I tired. I'm like, 
I'm like, what are you doing? My daughter gets on my back when I'm doing push-ups. My son wants nothing to do with it. He's four and a half. He's, in, he's playing with toys. My daughter comes in and, yeah, she's a beast. Um, so I would say I'm doing my part for the world. I'm renting a gentle boy and a fierce woman and i think the world yeah i think the world will all thank me but we just gotta get through it and survive and hopefully i love that you know so i've I've not heard that answer before you know as raised to useful self-talk and i think it makes a lot of sense because you're going to see athletes who have been taught um repetition so in terms of okay depending on what's going on you know tell yourself you're doing well tell yourself good job Tell yourself. So it's not necessarily what is appropriate for that particular point in time, but because that's what they've been taught to continue, continually repeat. You know, so when you're at the starting block, you know, if you feel a particular way, this is what you should say. When you're in the game, if your team goes down one nil, this is what you should say. So I think I, I have to agree with that, you know, in terms of making it useful. How does it apply specifically to your current situation, where you are, what you're going through? You know, I think that's, you know, that's excellent, that's excellent advice. But there's no way an athlete is going to be able to do this if they're not self-aware. There's no way. Because I'm just, I'm just thinking about it in my mind now when I, when I used to play. Because I tore my ACL, so I played soccer, you know, played in university, plan was to go professional. I tore my ACL, unfortunately, at the wrongest time, wrongest time possible. So I'm putting myself, you know, in the position of I'm currently an athlete and I'm playing. You know, someone is talking about useful self-talk. What you're telling me is that I need to be aware of what is going on before I can even know what's useful. You know, so how does an athlete develop this self-awareness? Because we have to remember that sports is fast-paced. You know, so it's not like you're going to have time. Everybody's going to wait for you and say, okay, you know, now become self-aware. When you're ready, we'll go on. How do athletes develop this? Yeah, I think traditionally we wanted robots as athletes. And, you know, <laughs> don't don't be, be even keel. Don't bring emotion. Like, And I make a distinction. I say you can play with emotion without being emotional. Mm. And... Like, I love the athletes that play with passion, but they don't make mistakes, like stupid mistakes, I should say. Mm-hmm. They all make mistakes. I, I, I'm a blender, so I believe in like a three-pronged approach, which is mindfulness um, plus positive psychology plus cognitive behavioral theory. And so what does that mean? The mindfulness is how you build the awareness. And meditation is a great way to build mindfulness. Um, but even you can build mindfulness just by noticing and observing throughout your day. Um, mm-hmm. And so mindfulness is just noticing and observing thoughts and feelings without judging them. Back to that judgment piece, hard to do when you're in an arena full of judges. Um, <laughs> but can we notice and observe our thoughts and feelings without judgment? Let's start there and let's build the awareness. You know, from that point, let's create a framework of what we look like when we're at our best. That's the positive psychology piece. Uh, and it's become really aware of, hey, when I'm at my best, I'm playing with a certain level of intensity or I'm, I'm calm or, um, you know, I, I tend to be uh, at this level or this headspace. So once again, we're stepping into awareness there and having a conversation of what we look like when we're at our best. And then the cognitive behavioral piece is the dialogue that we have with ourselves. And, you know, to me, we don't control thoughts and feelings. Um, like I have random thoughts and random feelings and I don't know where they come from. If you're religious, you might think they come from God. Um, that's fine, but there's no science that backs up the idea that we know where thoughts and feelings come from. And even if you think they come from God, no religion believes that we control what God's perspective is on us. So if we take that approach, then we recognize that thoughts and feelings are out of our control. For me, 
yes, sports is going really fast, but it's the awareness of those thoughts and feelings, noticing what's useful, what's not useful, and then empowering our useful self-talk to take the action that we want. And most of the pro athletes I work with will say, when I'm not thinking, I'm at my best. Uh-huh. And I'll go, okay, that's great. And you need to be in that space. But when you aren't thinking well, and when the shit hits the fan, what do you want to do to try to get yourself back to that neutral head space or wherever you need to be to be at your best? And that's where useful self-talk can be really, really mm-hmm. helpful. Um, so um, I, I think it's, it's a little bit of everything, but that's the framework that I used um, to try to help the people that I serve. One answer leading, leading to the next, because, you know, I, I really miss, I really miss playing, you know, I, or something that was something I really loved. I knew earlier you were talking about pressure, you know, and I, I was one of those athletes who I had a love hate relationship kind of with, with, with pressure while I was playing. You know, so there were situations where, you know, I mean, I, I would tear through everybody. You know, so if you're talking about talent for football, you know, I, I had that in abundance. You know, I still, I still meet people in parties now who see me and they're like, can't believe you're not playing soccer professionally and things like that. I'm like, that's, that's past. Like, let's, let's move on and things like that. You know, but mentioning self-awareness and, you know, and the, the, the three-part framework that you just mentioned, there's no way an athlete is going to be able to do that if they're not intentional. You know, so if they're not, if they're not specific about it, it's not, it's not something that while they're there, you know, they're just going to come up with. So it, it comes back to the name of your podcast, Intentional Performance. How does an athlete now become more intentional? So is this something that happens before the game, is it something that happens after the game? Is it something that there's certain things they can do during the game, you know, that reminds them to be intentional or lets them know that they're being intentional? Yeah, I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all approach. Mm. I do think that there are ways to continue to reflect. There are ways to think about how you want to show up in the future. Uh, thinking about the future, visualizing, creating a vision for yourself can be really powerful. Uh, creating your own philosophy for how you want to show up in between the lines and sort of believing in that philosophy. And that philosophy could involve agility. Like when I'm between the lines, I'm adaptable. Uh, I'm instinctual. Um, I think being mission-minded and thinking deeply about why you do what you do and your purpose, I think getting clear on your values and, and because values drive behavior, really knowing what your values are. So those are some things that, that's the work I do. So the work I do is helping performers get more intentional about how they want to show up. And so I'm hesitant to say like, yeah, wear, wear a wristband. And then yeah, you're, this is this. You, you've got it. it. The, like, I, I'm just like, um, I think for different people, like this wristband that I'm wearing right now is a reminder and it says mm-hmm. Mighty Max on it. And it's for my, my best friend's son, who's three and a half years old and uh, is going through chemo treatment for leukemia. Mm, wow. So like for me, it's a reminder that I need to be grateful for what I have. And anytime my three and a half year old daughter starts acting a fool, like remind yourself, like she's healthy, she's well. Um, and so that, I think that's personal to each of us, mm. but I encourage each person to think about how they want to show up. Think about why they're showing up. Think about what the best version of themselves is. Mm. And then from there, we, we sort of create, systems, processes, tools that help them get there. Uh, for me, going back to that emotion piece, like I think I'd much rather have an aware athlete than a robot. Mm. And um, that, that's me. And there are definitely elite performers that are just robotic and you know, there's no emotion or even keel. For me, I like personality. I like having human interactions and 
you know, in the NBA, you've got LeBron, who's super heady and thoughtful, and you've got Kawhi Leonard, who oh, is, is as robotic <laughs> as they come. Um, and so there's no one-size-fits-all. There's a bunch of different ways to be successful. I do think that both of those people have a good sense of who they are and how they want to show up, and they have clarity. Uh-huh. And I think clutter is often what gets in the way. So uh, I think clarity, like, that's, that's the mo- main thing. And Know who you are, be genuine, be authentic. And then understand when you get away from that and how that gets in the way of you being the best version of you. Uh, I, I feel like we, I feel like we've spoken for just five minutes, like literally that's, that's literally how it feels. And, and that's when, that's when I know that, you know, the conversation really is hitting the nail on the head, you know, but as you mindful of your time, you know, and your schedule, but the reason I named the podcast athlete maestro is because I, I wanted to help athletes master their craft. I'd been through the process. Unfortunately, I got injured. I tore my ACL, traveled abroad for surgery. I mean, by the time I came back, I was in my 20s. I was out of the game for two years. I learned a lot from the process, performance side, business side of sports. You know, that was, that was one of the things I wanted to talk about, but, you know, we'll probably fix another time right, to go into, you know, some of those things and how it affects performance. But that's why I started the podcast, you know, to, to give back to those behind me to say, hey, it's not all talent related because for every messy you see on TV, there are like 10 other messes, you know, that I didn't get the opportunity to get there. What in your estimation does it mean to be a master of your craft? I tore my ACL also five and a half years ago and I'm still, oh, wow. still not right. So we can share scars another time. <laughs> what does it mean to be a master of your craft? I think it's to know who you are and know how you want to show up and know why you're showing up. And um, I think mastery looks different for each person, and uh, but I think clarity uh, is is a is a is is someone who's who's a master. I also think someone who realizes that they're a master between the lines, and then they're not a master at all mm. uh, outside of it. They have mastery between the lines, and then when they step off that pitch, they're nothing. It, it's like this dynamic of I'm the shit and I'm not shit. And, uh, <laughs> and the ability to go back and forth pretty, pretty seamlessly. So uh, that's how I approach my career um, is like, I know when I'm talking to you, I know some things and I, I feel like I'm competent and mm-hmm. yeah, like I got this. And then I like when I'm reading a book or listen to a podcast, I shift into a different gear and in that gear, it's like, I don't know shit. Um, so I think you have to be a novice and an expert to be a master. At the same time, you haven't you haven't arrived until you have arrived, and you can never arrive. You know, so I think I think that I think that hits the nail on the head. One of the things that I was always very good at, you know, while while, while I was playing was, you know, I I learn a particular skill or I learn uh, something specific, and I immediately want to go and put it into practice. You know, to see how I can master it, how I can get better at it. You know, so uh, I'm imagining the people that are listening to this podcast now, you know, and they're as pumped as I am for all the things that we have talked about, you know, specifically, you know, as it relates to the, to the preparation and the performance angle, you know, and not, not getting those lines blurred and mixing it around and all the other things that we've talked about, systems, processes, useful self-talk. The, the list goes on and on and on, you know, and they want to go out there and they want to put something into practice. So basically they're saying, hey, Brian, you know, what's one thing that I can start? What's one thing I can do right now, you know, that is going to get me a step closer to my goal? It doesn't have to get me to my goal, but I want to start with something right now. I'm pumped with your conversation and, and, and all of that. What's one thing I have to do to get me a step closer to my goal? Yeah, I mean, I like just drilling out on the preparation mind and the performance mind. And um, I'll just plug my book. Like it's coming out in October 
I think it'll help people. That's why I wrote it. Uh, so they can get clarity around the preparation mind and the performance mind. Uh, I, I think too often we blend them and blur them. And so people are arrogant in their preparation and then they're humble in their performance. And I think that's often what gets in the way for people. So I would just take some time, think about your mindset for preparation, how it's different than your mindset for performance. And then how do you create a practice plan that embeds the two of those together. Even if you're in a team sport, like what can you do in practice where you can tap into the performance mind and when can you tap into the preparation mind? So if you're playing small sided, like maybe you're in your performance mind. And then if you're working on your footwork or you're working on a new move ball handling wise, you work in your preparation mind. So I think that that's, that's something I'm just really passionate about. Ah, great. Thank you so much, Brian. Um, this was fun. I enjoyed it. Thank you for all that you do. Uh, you have your book coming out, so I'm going to look forward to it in, in, in October. But tell us where we can find you. I know you're heavy on Twitter, your website, and you know other places that we can connect with. Yeah, on Twitter, I'm at Brian Levinson. And then I'm actually uh, at blevinson.com. And then there's a new website that launches in a couple of weeks called strongskills.com. So that's in the works. And be on the lookout for that. There's a lot of good stuff going there. And the book's called Shift Your Mind. And you can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. And it's going to be at a bunch of other places as well. So Tola, man, you asked great questions. Jake Thompson connected us and told me, told me that you asked great questions. I'm grateful that we connected and I'm sure we'll chat more in the future. So thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Thank you for coming on, Brian. Now you see, one of the things that I have never been called and one of the things that has never been said is that the things that I tell you you are going to learn on a particular episode are not the things that you learn. So did you feel like you were in class? Did you feel literally like the professor went to town and went into detail in terms of everything that you needed to learn going forward? If you did, then of course you are going to want to share this episode with a fellow athlete like let them also come to class so it's not just all about this talent thing then when you come to the mental aspect as well what exactly is it that you're focusing on what exactly is it that you're paying attention to so share this episode with them and of course um, show brian some love as well like i said he's a professor but he's not a professor so i want you to show him some love he's on twitter at brian Levinson. all of this of course is going to be in the show notes athletemanshow.com forward slash brian you can also check out his website belivingsin.com and also check out strongskills.com i don't know when you're listening to this episode but of course his book is going to be out sometime in october shift your mind so sharing with you mental skills that you can use uh, to get a grip with this uh, performance aspect of sports i really enjoyed that episode I, re- I really did and like i said it's the first time that i've truly felt like a student while doing this podcast and of course that's the essence with all of these episodes so that you learn and of course you are better for it and you can achieve your sports goals so check out brian you know on uh, twitter as well and of course check out his website and do not forget to get your hands on the athlete maestro daily planner athletemaestro.com forward slash daily planner athletemaestro.com forward slash daily planner share this episode with any athlete you feel will benefit for this and of course uh, shoot me an email tell me what you learned from this episode and of course i will be sure to pass your email on to brian tola at athletemaestro.com tola at athletemaestro.com i hope you guys enjoy the class and i hope you've been blessed by it i'll catch you guys on the next episode of the show remember knowing 
it's not enough you must apply willing is not enough you must do i want you to go out there i want you to learn everything that brian has taught us in class today i want you to go out there i want you to be a maestro today and every single day